This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, what have you been doing recently? Gosh, I have been traveling. Uh, I went down to Florida last week because uh, our our overarching uh, corporate overlord, Static Media, do this cool thing uh, that they did before the pandemic and then didn't do it for a while where uh, all the like salaried employees, you know, editors and people behind the scenes and stuff like that, they go down to Florida to this like uh, resort suburb, I guess you could call it. Uh, where they rent a bunch of big houses and everyone stays down there and works from down there for the week. So I was down in Florida doing that, and uh, it's really fun. The houses are super nice, and obviously it's Florida, so it's way better than the hellscape that is winter in Indiana. And uh, I also got to go to Universal Studios, uh, Islands of Adventure, because we get a free day where we get to go to uh, one of the theme parks that's down there. And since I'd already done Disneyland, and there wasn't a bunch of stuff at Disney World that seemed like it would be much different or better than what I did at Disneyland. I did Islands of Adventure based on the advice of uh, our resident theme park nuts, Jacob Hall and Peter Serretta. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it was a good time. And uh, yeah, I got to try some frozen butterbeer and uh, went on a couple awesome rides. The Spider-Man ride that is down at Islands of Adventure is uh, still very cool. It's it, Apparently it's designed by the guy that did uh, Rise of the Resistance for Galaxy's Edge. And it's uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, what did you think about um, Islands of Adventure overall? Was that the, the was the Spider Man ride the one that stood out to you, or did you? There was a, a roller coaster there for many years called Dueling Dragons that I think has been rethemed uh, in the years in recent years. But um, I, I went there a bunch like as a kid, um, but I haven't been in a long time. Yeah, I'm not a huge roller coaster guy, so th- uh, that didn't uh, really do it for me because they have the new Velocicoaster there for Jurassic World, and apparently that's uh, pretty wild. But that's got a pretty uh, steep drop and that's not for for me i'm not a daredevil so yeah <laughs> i feel like roller coasters are a young man's game like I, I just can't hang with them in the way that i used to anymore i feel like i get you know vertigo and just like dizzy and my stomach feels weird and like i used to just be like you know mainlining roller coasters every time i would go to a theme park but uh, i guess yeah. i'm getting old now yeah we are old <laughs> Okay, what else have you been up to? Uh, well, and now I'm in Utah because uh, I, I used my return flight to come see my girlfriend uh, out here in Utah. And so I, I was out here for the second weekend of Sundance. I, I unfortunately wasn't able to like carve out as much time to see as many movies in person as I wanted to. But the one that I did see was in person was worth it, which is Flora and Sun, which I talked about on our, our recent Sundance episode. And so now I'm just hanging out here uh, with my girlfriend uh, for 
another few days and then back to uh, the winter apocalypse in Indiana. <laughs> well, best of luck. Uh, <laughs> hopefully Indiana will, will have cleared up a little bit uh, for your arrival. But um, tell me about the, let's get into what we've been watching. Tell me about the movies that you've been checking out while you've been there. Yeah. So I finally got around to seeing Missing, which is the uh, quasi sequel follow up to Searching, the screen life movie that unfolds across uh, computer screens and phones and FaceTime and tablets and all that jazz. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, um, pretty much equally as, uh, thrilling and entertaining as the first one. I feel like they learned some new tricks as far as how to make the narrative, uh, framing more stylish, uh, as opposed to just like watching it, it unfold on, on screen, uh, in a, fairly straightforward way. They did some pretty cool things as far as transitioning from like different apps and different uh, screen layouts and things like that. And I also feel like the story in this one uh, gets a little bit more wild, I guess, because uh, there's some moments where you're just like, what the fuck's going on? Um, but it's, it's it's a lot of fun. If you like searching, uh, or and if you, even if you haven't seen searching, you can watch this one and have not seen the, the previous one and it will not uh, affect your viewing experience at all. It's just, it's a good time. Yeah, I, I really like the standalone nature of it and the way that they sort of like made it set in the same world as Searching, but it, it's very much not a movie that that relies on previous knowledge at all. So Yeah, and I, I would love it if they made one of these, you know, every two or three years. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, okay, what else have you been watching? I also watched You People, uh, which is a new comedy on Netflix from Kenya Barris, uh, the creator of, of Blackish and all those uh, spinoff shows associated with the ABC sitcom. This one stars uh, Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And the premise is uh, Jonah Hill meets this uh, young a black Muslim woman and they hit it off. Uh, Jonah Hill is a, a Jewish character. And so they, they meet and fall in love and they have to try and navigate the complicated uh, meeting of their parents uh, because they're both kind of... Uh, different i guess you could say um and they're kind of leery of each other and uh eddie murphy kind of plays this sort of like uh contemplative like uh almost almost militant uh black muslim guy which is it's it's an interesting change for him because uh he gives a very subdued um and like kind of more uh laid back performance it's not like full-blown energy eddie murphy like he's not really doing any yelling or anything like that uh and my i thought this movie was pretty funny for the most part but i think that it, it tried too hard to provide a lot of like what they they hoped would be thoughtful social commentary on these like divides between race and religion and things like that. Um, but it doesn't always work and it, it feels like it's trying to bite off way more than it can chew. I feel like it's a lot better when it sticks more to the father of the bride-esque uh, romantic comedy approach. Um, there, there's some, still some really funny stuff that comes from them digging into uh, those issues. But um, for me, I think Jonah Hill is the standout here because he's extremely funny uh, when it comes to you know, what you can tell are improvised moments and just the the stammering he does and the reactions to the most cringe, awkward moments. And there are tons of them uh, in this movie. He's, he's just great in this movie. Uh, but overall, the movie is just, it, it's all right. What do you think about um, Kenya Barris as a uh, a I guess like a, a creative comedic force? Like his name has been around for a long time he's been involved with a lot of like uh well-received shows and things like that but i feel like his transition into movies maybe hasn't been as quite as smooth as he would probably like well it's and from what i've read recently it sounds like he's not necessarily super interested in doing movies he uh you people was kind of a fluke for him and then uh he after doing you people he didn't really want to do another movie until uh the opportunity to do a new wizard of oz story came along so it's not something that he's been super keen on but 
as a comedic voice, I mean, I, I appreciate him and it's because, uh, and I haven't watched a lot of his shows, but what I like about him is I keep hearing respected comedians that I like talk about uh, how great he is and his approach to, to writing and comedy and all that. And so when you hear a lot of, you know, comedians that you respect, uh, their sense of humor and their writing style, talk about somebody like that, then you know that there's something uh, good there. And I do think that there's potential here uh, in you people, if you were to continue doing movies and stuff like that, for him to do something truly great. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think this is it. But yeah, I think, you know, if, if he were to continue doing stuff like this, then I would, I would be uh, interested in checking it out. Excellent. Okay. Uh, and then he also caught one more movie recently. Yeah, I watched Top Gun Maverick on a plane this time. Now, it's, I know it's not necessarily the best environment because it's a big screen movie, uh, but I wanted to watch Top Gun Maverick again. And for the first time in a while, I had a flight that actually had the screens in the seats rather than um, forcing you to do it on your phone or tablet, which really annoys me, actually. Like, just give me a screen on my seat, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I watched Top Gun Maverick. I will say there's something a little bit cool about watching Top Gun Maverick when you're sitting in the sky. Because every now and then when you're watching a scene and they're doing dogfighting sequences, there's a bit of turbulence and it feels kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Of a true immersive experience. <laughs> yeah, it's 40x seats in the sky. <laughs> uh, any um, observations about the movie this time that stood out to you that you uh, maybe not missed the first time, but that that sort of meant more the second on second viewing? I guess. No, not really. I think for me, like uh, what I appreciated more uh, on the repeat viewings is I appreciate the the emotional core uh, that's there. You know, even though the the story is is pretty simple and it's not necessarily anything that that's that's groundbreaking i think that miles teller and tom cruise uh and and val kilmer too really sell the emotional core of this movie and like it makes you care about uh maverick as a character uh in a way that you really didn't in the first movie like you like him but maverick's also kind of an asshole and Mm -hmm. and here even though he hasn't grown up much you feel something for him and i think that's maybe maverick's most impressive feat is taking a character like maverick and making you truly care about him and giving him characters uh, that that enhanced that in a level that I think, you know, maybe wasn't possible before. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk about a few things that I've been watching recently. I caught up with Infinity Pool, Brandon Cronenberg's new movie. This is the, the director of Antiviral and uh, Possessor Uncut. Uh, Infinity Pool is very much in the same vein of something like Possessor. I think Chris has talked about it briefly on a, a previous podcast, but this is like um, a, a very sort of extreme movie. It has a, a really cool premise where Alexander Skarsgård plays a, uh, a writer who goes on vacation into a fictional country with his wife. And uh, he meets up with Mia Goth, uh, a character played by Mia Goth from, from um, X and Pearl. She is just on a tear right now because she is unbelievable in this movie. She plays the sort of like femme fatale type of character in this film. And, uh, basically like you can see this in the trailer. So this is not really giving anything away, but uh, their, their um, resort they're staying at is one of those resorts that, you know, is, is on a, um, I guess like a piece of property that is surrounded by like a not great area. It's like very walled in and there's um, barbed wire on the fences and everything trying to keep the guests safe from whatever, um, you know, the, the people living in that area. And evidently the country that they're going to has like very draconian laws and things like that. So they actually uh, in the, in the, I guess, first act of the movie, um, leave the grounds of this resort that they're staying at. And there's a hit and run situation where Alexander Skarsgård's character runs over somebody with his car and they realize like, oh, this is not good because the laws in this country are like very, very uh, intense and we should probably just try to escape here. And the cops immediately catch them 
And they basically sentence him to death. And he's like, oh my God, this is obviously like a worst case scenario. But in this country, just in this one fictional country that, that, you know, that, that they happen to be in, they have the technology to create a full double of a person for an insane amount of money and execute the double instead of the person who actually committed the crime. So it becomes this really interesting commentary on, you know, uh, wealth inequality and um, the privilege that that money can afford you and like how you would change your behavior if you knew that uh, consequences don't really matter in the same way that they do for normal people. And Mia Goth's character um, is just like, oh my God, uh, Brad, like she's, she's unreal. Cause I know you watched um, uh, X and Pearl, right? Recently. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you appreciated what she was doing in that movie, she really just like dials it all the way up in this film. It is, it is like, um, I don't know. It's, it's just an electric experience to watch her because she's just going for it in a way that so many actors won't do anymore. And it's really, really fun to just see her, you know, throw her entire body into this performance. Um, the movie goes to some interesting places and, and uh, some really gross places and, and is very um, visceral and uh, upsetting, but, um, and, and it doesn't quite land the way that I would have hoped, but I still had a good enough time and Mia Goth's performance alone is, is worth watching this whole thing for, um, that I, I would recommend it for people who, you know, have seen Brandon Cronenberg's previous movies and have an idea of what you're getting yourself into. Like, don't go with your family to go see this movie because it's not that type of film at all. But, um, yeah, there's some pretty extreme stuff that happens in this movie, but, uh, yeah, I, I appreciated it more than I loved it, but, um, man, there's some, some stuff in here that's going to be, uh, sticking with me for a long time. So, uh, that's infinity pool. Do you have any interest in seeing that one, Brad? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, cause like, uh, I, I wouldn't call myself like a horror guru, but I am always interested in the horror movies that like get people talking, especially if it's in a way where people are really just like turned off or unsettled by it. Cause I really just want to see. Uh, what it's all about, and uh, you know, I I'm I'm very interested to check this one out. So I I will go see it sometime in the near future. Yeah, I would say that it's like um, it is a horror movie, I guess, but it kind of it, it rides that line. Like the, there's some horrific stuff in it, but it's not like a, a pure horror movie. And right. I, I feel like that for people like you and me who are not like um, fully immersed in the world of horror all the time, I feel like that's a positive, not a negative. So cool. Um, I have a feeling you'll like it. Uh, okay. I also watched front page woman from 1935 with, uh, Betty Davis. This, um, movie is directed by Michael Curtiz. And, um, this is just a, a really pleasant movie. It's, it's basically Betty Davis plays a female news reporter in a world where of course, you know, most of the reporters were men. And, uh, it's basically about a, a rival, um, relationship that she has with a, a fellow reporter who basically is, is trying to marry her and trying to like um, you know, strike up an agreement where like, if he can scoop her on this story, then she'll agree to marry him. And so it's, it's about her, uh, trying to, you know, prove herself as a reporter and, um, the relationship that these two have. And it's very like, you know, rat-a-tat with the dialogue and, and very much in that vein of, uh, those types of, um, screwball comedy type of movies that I like a lot. So, uh, I had never seen this one. I don't know if I've ever actually seen a Betty Davis movie before, which is weird to say, but, um, yeah, she was great in this. She's the lead. Uh, George Brent plays the the uh, male lead in the movie, and he was very good as well. So, um, yeah, very enjoyable stuff. Front Page Woman. I think you can rent that for like $3 on Apple or Amazon or whatever. Uh, before we continue, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. All right, Brad. I also watched a movie called The Beast Must Die from 1974. Great title. Uh, I DVR'd this from, I think, Turner Classic Movies was playing it one day, like right around Halloween. 
and I'm just now getting getting around to watching it. But the premise of this is it's kind of like a, um, and then there were none sort of like Agatha Christie-esque like uh, detective type of movie where a rich person gathers a bunch of suspects to an isolated uh, English manor, like a countryside kind of manor. Um, except in this case, it's not a, de- a detective trying to uh, figure out who the murderer is. It's a big game hunter who also happens to be a millionaire who has gathered all these people on his grounds because he suspects one of them of being a werewolf. So, okay. um, so he's like, you know, rigged the entire compound with cameras and microphones and everything uh, and keeps these people there over like a three day period where there's a full moon because he's convinced that one of them is a werewolf and he's going to be the person, the first person in history to uh, trap and kill a werewolf. And um, one of the interesting things about this movie is it opens with this um, basically like address directly to the audience where text come up, comes up on the screen and a voiceover uh, comes out where a narrator is basically like, this is a, a detective story where you, the audience, are the detective. And instead of hunting for a murderer, you're trying to figure out who the werewolf is. So like, keep your eyes peeled for the clues and there will be a time where you can make your guess later on in the movie and then the movie happens and then like right before the actual reveal of which of these characters is a werewolf uh the movie comes to a a complete stop and says there's like a a, i think it's like a 40 second um it's kind of intermission type of thing where the, (laughs) the movie just stops and the narrator comes back and is like have you been paying attention? Who do you think the werewolf is? Is it this person? Maybe this person. And then like footage of them shows up on the screen as he, he talks about them. And then uh, a giant um, superimposition of a clock appears on the screen. And he's like, you have 30 seconds to make your choice. <laughs> it counts down full 30 seconds. And then he's like, you know, make your guess now or something. And then the movie just resumes. <laughs> like You find out who the werewolf is. But I was like, huh, I've never seen that in a movie, especially not one from, you know, like the mid seventies. It's like, it seems like something that like maybe a current um, Netflix thing would do. There, there's a show called uh, Murderville on Netflix with Will Arnett um, where he uh, has like a bunch of comedian people on and that's all like this improv murder mystery type of thing. And that's the closest thing I can think of to, to <laughs> the weird structure of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the beast must die kind of entertaining. I mean, it's, it's a real sort of low key movie. It actually has a decent cast. Peter Cushing is in it a few years before appearing oh. in star Wars. Um, Charles gray is in it. Uh, Michael Gambon from the, the Harry Potter later, Harry Potter movies is in this as well. Um, Calvin Lockhart plays the main guy. I'd never seen him before. I kind of feel like he's miscast and kind of the worst part of the movie, which is unfortunate because he's in it a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, kind of goofy, like feels like an exploitation type of movie from, from the mid seventies. So, uh, that is called the beast must die. If you're interested in, yeah, some, watching something a uh, little weird and a little stylish, then check that out. Since um, you, uh, real quick, since you mentioned Murderville, and I, I didn't mention this simply because it felt uh, like it was kind of past its, its prime because it was after Christmas that I finally watched it. But the the Christmas special episode of Murderville is absolutely yes. hilarious. Yes. Yeah, my wife and I watched that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the show feels a little, um, I don't know, like disposable, but there are also enough good moments in there to make it worthwhile, I think. Like yeah. the... the um, the comedy moments that really, really work, I think, uh, help sort of lift the the tide for the whole thing. So yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, good stuff. And then I just wanted to give a very quick shout out to Lizzo Live in Concert, which is streaming on HBO Max right now. Um, I've, I'm very, very, very late to the party, but I'm recently getting into Lizzo's music, which is awesome. And this live show, um, which I think came out either, uh, I think it came out last year because um, it's it's time to her most recent album. It's just a, a sh- shot of joy uh, directly into the heart. It's, it's really great if you want to you know, watch something that will have you dancing in your living room and put a big smile on your face, check out Lizzo live in concert. So, um, all right, Brad, what have you been eating recently? All right, I've been trying some new stuff. Uh, first of all, since I'm in Utah, uh, my girlfriend has been going to take me to this place uh, for a little while and then we finally got to do it. Uh, it's a little chain out here in Utah called DP Cheesesteaks. Uh, and as you might have guessed, they sell shrimp. <laughs> I did not guess that at all. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's cheesesteaks. It's cheesesteaks. It's full on, full on cheesesteaks. Uh, and man, they are so good. Like the steak is so tender and juicy. The cheese is like just so perfectly melted and like absorbed into like every single crevice of like the steak in the sandwich. They're just awesome. I am a, I'm a big cheesesteak fan. Uh, and these, they have, they have a variety of them too. I just got a, a traditional cheesesteak one with the onions and like the, the cheese whiz. Uh, but they have other ones with like cream cheese and different peppers and all that jazz. So yeah, if you're ever in the Utah area, I wholly recommend checking out DP cheesesteaks because they are awesome. Sweet. Uh, there's also a new M&M's flavor out there. Uh, I think this is more so intended for Easter, but Easter candy started hitting shelves at like the end of January for some reason, even though it's not even Valentine's Day yet. Wow. And so there's these new marshmallow crispy treat M&Ms. Uh, as of now, I think they've only been spotted at like Circle K, uh, which is like a chain of convenience stores that isn't entirely everywhere, but it might start popping up other places too. Uh, but it's a crispy M&M. Uh, and it perfectly captures the flavor of a Rice Krispie Treat inside of a tiny uh, M&M candy morsel. They, they are delicious. It has just the right amount of marshmallow flavor uh, and crispiness. So if you see them, make sure you get them because they are very, very good. Does it have the chocolate in there with just an M&M shell? Or yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, still got a little bit of chocolate in there, but but a lot like uh, a lot like the crispy M&M has like this like uh, somewhat airy, crispy center. Uh, this has the same kind of thing, just with a different flavor. Oh, gotcha. Okay, cool. Then uh, a new Oreo just came out, and it's basically like uh, exhibit pimping your ride Oreo because it's like having an Oreo with an Oreo. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're called the most Oreo Oreos. And so previously they had, they, they've had double stuff Oreos, uh, they had triple stuff Oreos. Then they had the most stuff Oreos, which made them just like super thick. These are basically the most stuff Oreos, maybe with a little bit more. But within the Oreo cream are also uh, tiny crunched up bits of Oreo cookies. So, hmm. it's a, so it's a cookies and cream cream inside your cookies and cream sandwich cookie. <laughs> uh, and there, I when it comes to the, the ratio as far as like triple stuff and, and double stuff, I tend to not necessarily be as big of a fan as the the stuffing increases because uh, I think the ratio for Oreo is pretty perfect for the regular uh, but I think the the introduction of like putting the cookie pieces inside of the cream kind of like makes it a little, little more easy to uh, to take on because there's something about having a lot of stuff that it's just maybe a little too sweet yeah but the cookie crunchy uh, crumble pieces kind of like dull it down and make it like you're eating like a, a cookies and cream ice cream sandwich I guess Mm. Yeah, I'm a double stuff man myself. I feel like that's the the perfect uh, ratio for me. Fair but, enough. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else? Uh, and the last thing I tried is a new Fruity Pebbles snack pack pudding. Uh, I do like me some pudding every now and then. And uh, there's a few new flavors that are hitting shelves. This is the first one that I, I found. 
And it's uh, the Fruity Pebbles cereal flavor that everybody has loved for over 50 years now. And it's in pudding form. And it's pretty good. They, uh, they, they've captured the, that uh, fruity flavor that Fruity Pebbles has. Uh, and it's basically like, it's like eating a pudding version of Fruity Pebbles milk, which is, it works pretty well for me. That's exactly what I wanted out of this. And that's what I got. Okay, so there, it's not actually like pieces of fruity no. pebbles inside the pudding. Okay, no, it is a fruity pebbles flavored pudding. Gotcha. But gotcha. but if, but if you if you want to double the fun, put some fruity pebbles in that pudding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the most Oreo Oreos, and, and add your own fruity pebbles. Just like go go ham. Yeah, so. exactly. Why not? Uh, okay, what are you even playing, Brad? Uh, I'm addicted to a new mobile game, um, and it's called Marvel Snap. Have you heard of this, Ben? I feel like I've heard of it, but I have no idea what it looks like. I've never seen a screenshot. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, so it's available in your your mobile app store, uh, and it is it's a uh, what they call a card battler. And so basically, what it is is uh, you have your own deck of cards featuring characters from Marvel Comics, both heroes and villains. Uh, they each have their own special abilities that affect the game. Uh, the in order to play them, like the the point values, that, uh, you get a certain amount of energy each turn, and so you can only play. Uh, certain cards at certain times, depending on how much energy they cost. Obviously, the the more powerful ones cost more energy, so you don't play them until later in the game. But it's uh, it's a, a six turn based battle where you face off with somebody uh, online that you're randomly paired with, uh, and you just play cards back and forth. And so, and the, all the cards have super cool abilities like tied to each of the characters. Uh, and it's really in, uh, the strategy is always changing because there are three different places locations inspired by mar- real places in the Marvel comic universe where you play the cards and the locations have uh, certain restrictions or uh, abilities or things that happen when you play cards there. And it always changes how you play your hand and which characters uh, work and it can enhance or hurt your abilities. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I, uh, I kind of stayed away from it because I didn't need another game to play right now, but this one is uh, it's free and like there's stuff that's that's always changing in it and you can always keep getting new cards. So it's it's a lot of fun and it's just a good distraction uh, to have every now and then. Is it one of those games where you can pay to get better stuff? So you can, but you don't have to to enjoy it. I, um, I've been playing it for about a week now and I haven't ever had a point where I'm like, oh, well, this sucks because this person has, you know, Thanos yeah. or something like that because they paid for it. So like... Uh, it seems like most of the stuff that you can like pay for are things that don't necessarily impact the game. It's just for people who like unique collector points. Like there's mm-hmm. like there's like different variants for each card that features different artwork. So if you like a certain art style or something like that, similar to how people get different covers for comic books, you can use like gold that you earn or that you buy in the store to pay for different variants. Uh, but there's there's not a lot in the way of like you can just buy a huge pack of and have like the most powerful cards ever. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That seems like it would, um, I don't know, sort of tickle the fancy of a lot of, uh, people who are, have like collector brain, you know, like the, the organization of it and like the, um, you know, crossing things off a list of it, like that, that sort of, uh, that side of your brain, I feel like would be, uh, activated a lot playing a game like this. I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to stay away from it just because I fear that I would get addicted to it. But, um, you said something that, that interested me about it, the, um, the online component, like a lot of times these games, I feel like you're just playing against the the computer, as it were. Um, 
have you ever in the week that you've been playing it like wanted to play it and not been paired with somebody or is it always seem no. like there's there's somebody on yeah there's there's always somebody on cuz it seems like it's like an it's an international thing cuz one time uh it, it the the game went down and i looked on twitter to see what was going on and i saw people like from it was late at night for me and i saw people in like uh japan and china and stuff like tweeting about the game and how it was down and everything oh so, wow so yeah so there's always somebody somebody around to play uh, as far as i know i've never been paired with like a computer player or anything like that okay so that's called marvel snap uh excellent all right, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's show. You can find more about a lot of the stuff that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes for that as well. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That really does help us out a lot. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.